Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 1008, air date December 29th, 2021. We have a special uh, audience. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Shiva Idure. Today's show is Gandhi. Uh, John, keep it up, please. Gandhi, the pimp who sold India. It's really part of our not-so-obvious establishment series. Thank you, John. If you can take back the image. So it's a quite a provocative title, but we're going to wait for people to join. Again, today's talk is Gandhi, the pimp who sold India. And I want to talk about this because this is something, I, a, a talk that I probably wanted to give probably for since I was a kid, you know, as, as I learned the truth about Mahatma Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi, as many of you know, or Gandhi, if you saw the movie with Martin Sheen in it and Ben Kingsley. Unfortunate reality is that the establishment, what we're going to learn shortly, elevates complete people who are anti-workers, anti-human beings, and they create heroes out of them. So in this, um, in the next few 30, 40 minutes, and we're going to open up the call-in show also, everyone's welcome to call in, and we hope we have a lively discussion. We're going to really talk about the facts about how Mahatma Gandhi was one of the biggest charlatans and frauds uh, in history, as some activist who helped the brown-skinned people of India. The reality is this. If you're an Indian and you think Gandhi is the father of India, then we're all bastards, okay? That's what the real truth is, okay? And I have to use, unfortunately, some of this very provocative words, uh, and I do it in a in a conscious way, not because I want to do it to enrage people, but for 70, 80 years, the British Empire and their media subjects and their bootlickers have done every microsecond, they've done so much work to brainwash people to think that Gandhi was some hero. And unfortunately, I guess the son of low caste Indians has got to do the dirty job of cleaning out this garbage because that's what Gandhi is. And the youth in India are starting to recognize this. In fact, every time that the Indian people awaken up and start recognizing the reality of Gandhi, the British always do some movie or some documentary comes up to reinstantiate him. But what you're going to learn very shortly, and all of you can go do your own research on this, is that Gandhi was a casteist. He believed in the caste system. He was a racist. He was an elitist. He was a reactionary. And I say reactionary because what you're going to learn shortly is at the time that Gandhi appears on the scene in India in the early 1900s, India and the world for that matter was in a revolutionary conditions. People were in revolutionary movements in the United States, in Russia, in Europe, and in India, all over the world. Working people were starting to rise up. They wanted freedom. It was the era of overthrowing colonialism and the monarchy. People looked to the American Revolution and they wanted a good revolution in India. So in that condition, you have this creep, Gandhi, who gets essentially parachuted in, and we're going to talk about some of these 
very, very important facts, which the mainstream media historians will never sh share, which the people in the civil rights movement in the United States were hijacked with wearing those white hats, thinking Gandhi was some great guy. And you're going to find out that he wasn't, he was not quote unquote nonviolent. He was for absolute violence as long as the oppressor beat the shit out of brown people. But before we go, go to that, Someone said, I, I go to watch this late. I got to, I, I thought Gandhi was a saint. Yeah. So it's fascinating, Rebecca, what you bring up. What you're going to learn today, and it may be a little bit of a cognitive dissonance, is how much the establishment, the media establishment, and those in power, particularly the elitist class, how much they can take a scumbag and make him a saint. Okay. But Gandhi was fundamentally a pimp. John, can you bring up that image again? So, you know, when I designed this image, I wanted to really put the image of a pimp. And that's what Gandhi was. He was a pimp who sold a people and a country to the elites of the British Empire as well as India. Thanks, John, if you can bring it back. But it's a very, very powerful image that I hope all of you share widely, okay? So before we go there, I wanna point out one thing. Our movement, Truth, Freedom, and Health, is about truth, freedom, and health. And our movement has three important components to it. Number one, political education. We went to a, a meeting yesterday with first responders, police, right? Firemen, et cetera. And we went to this meeting. Many of these people are breaking away from their unions, but immediately the scumbag, another scumbag, this guy RFK Jr., part of the Not So Obvious Establishment series, we'll do a, another series on him. You know, they were pushing lawsuits, lawsuits, lawsuits. You got to understand, lawsuits are part of the establishment infrastructure. They want us to be involved in bogus lawsuits. And even when I did my lawsuit, I made it very clear, look, I'm doing this to build a movement. More than likely, they'll screw us. But through that lawsuit, we expose the court system. And that was a, a victory. But we're not here to rely on the courts. We have to build a bottoms-up movement. So number one, our movement truthfreedomhealth.com offers number one, political education. And without that political education, you will not have any type of foundation on what to do. You'll either follow the left or the right or one not so obvious establishment today and another tomorrow. And that's why we're in this condition today because for far too long, we have been brainwashed not only to follow the obvious establishment, but as I talked about yesterday, the not so obvious establishment of the left and the right. And our movement is the only movement that will be highly critical to expose these people. And you will have these scumbags, and that's the technical term, who will have the audacity to say, oh, Dr. Shiva is trying to split the movement. We want unity, bullshit. We are here to split truth from lies. And that is what we're here to do. We are here to educate people that we must, it's not about unity. Workers should unite by building a bottoms up unit, but we're not here to have one fucking kumbaya so we can celebrate Gandhi, celebrate the Kennedys and all this bullshit and sweep all the contradictions under the rug. Anyone who tells you that our movement or Dr. Shiva is about divisiveness, you have to, right away that should be a red flag because what they're actually telling you is forget all the contradictions, forget Trump, says one thing, but then did nothing to Hillary, executed Operation Warp Speed, did nothing to uh, 
uh, Fauci, signed CISA, extended the Patriot Act, on and on and on. And when you talk about the Kennedys, they don't want to talk about the Kennedys are the ones who signed the Vaccination Act. The Kennedys are the ones who sponsored the National Vaccine Injury Bill. Uh, this scumbag, Robbie Kennedy Jr., blah, 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 that guy, okay? He's a fool who endorsed Hillary Clinton three times and then writes books stealing my material and talking as though he's against Fauci a year later. They want you to sweep under the rug those contradictions because the establishment always wants to create their bullshit heroes. They do not want real heroes coming bottoms up. And the way that you can understand the not-so-obvious establishment is they will always get coverage in the press, okay? Because that's how they create the contradiction. But before I go there, I want John to play our anthem video, which will talk about the reality. But I want everyone here to recognize that if you want serious political education, if you want to build a community of, true, of warriors who are committed to this all over the world, if you want to learn how to be an activist, you have to learn the science of systems. And by learning that science of systems, you will then have the nuclear physics to fight. Otherwise, you're shooting with bows and arrows. Those in power understand the science of systems. And guess what? They let this darkie into places like MIT. And I didn't, wasn't their homie. A homie didn't play their game. But I took all that knowledge and I created the curriculum Truth, Freedom, and Health, which is a weapon of how we build our movement. And for those of you who want to fight for you, you better become a Truth, Freedom, and Health warrior scholar. Otherwise, you can be enslaved. Okay. Unfortunately, I don't have time for a lot of diplomacy because for 50 to 70 to 100 years, we've had a lot of diplomats screw over working people. And that's where I come from. And that's who I am loyal to. So if you want to learn how to be a serious warrior and scholar, you have to learn the science of system. John, play the video. So you get, uh, and then I'm going to come back and we're going to talk about the pimp Gandhi. You will leave this discussion today with unequivocal clarity on why Mahatma Gandhi is an actual pimp. We have allowed our country to be taken over from within. And the end goal is you will have a homogenized world where we will become slaves because there is a condition among the elites that really thinks they're better than you deep down inside them that you don't deserve the freedoms you have. They don't. This reality is what people need to wake up to. And we need to all unite working people. There's only one movement that can do that. Mm -hmm. And that is the movement that we started creating here in Massachusetts, the movement for truth, freedom, and health. Look, I've been a student of politics since I was a four-year-old kid, studying revolutionary movements, left-wing, right-wing. There's a physics, there's a nuclear science to destroying the establishment. To build a bridge, you need to understand Newton's equation. You need to understand the laws of gravity. You need to understand Poisson's ratio. There is a way to build a revolution. And that's why I put this together. My goal is to train a army of truth, freedom, and health leaders. We don't need followers like social media. We need leaders, but they, they need training because the educational system does not teach them history, nothing. So in three hours, that's what I've started doing. That's the solution. Wow. We gotta train people. First with understanding what a system is. The second is understanding the interconnection between truth, freedom, and health. Freedom is the ability to move freely, communicate freely, right? Talk freely. Without freedom, you cannot convert ideas, hypothesis into truth, which is science. And without freedom, you can't really get to truth. And without truth, you make up fake problems and fake solutions, which means you destroy our health. And without health, which is the infrastructure of us and our body, you can't fight for freedom. Third concept is it has to be bottoms up. 
working people, people who work uniting. And what the right wing has done is whenever you say working people unite, that must be communist. Meanwhile, they've let the Democrats run unions, which suppress workers, completely corrupt. But when you look at the arc of American history, it's been when working people came up. We need to go local. Every solution I'm coming up with as a part of this movement, we're giving the science, which is the truth, and then we tell people what they can do on the ground. Like with election fraud, you don't need to wait for some lawyer. Our goal is to train people, Dave, to go local, to go local, to go local, fight locally. Forget lawyers, forget politicians, forget celebrities. You've got to learn politics, and there is a science to it. They lock us down, we should be ready to shut them down. And the fourth part of this principle is a not so obvious establishment. So when you look at a system, there's always something that disturbs you from getting to your goal. Well, the biggest disturbance is a not so obvious establishment, which are those people who claim they're for you on the left and the right. The Al Sharptons who tell black people I'm for you. The Tucker Carlson's. Do you think any true anti-establishment person will ever be on Fox or CNN? I don't think so. They both mislead working people back into the establishment without this solid understanding of political physics and theory, you're screwed. You're going to follow on the, the left wing, Bernie Sanders, oh, he said something, or Robert Kennedy, scumbags. Or you're going to follow, you know, some right wing talk show host. They're not going to lead us to liberation. It's us. And that political physics, it's a nuclear science of change. Bottoms up. We have to organize to understand that there is people who talk a good game and then look at what they actually do, left and right. I'm sorry, Sean Hannity may say some good things, but I don't see the urgency in his voice to get something done. And it can only come when you weaponize yourself with the right knowledge. You need to be able to identify a rat. You know, Christ didn't go after the Romans, right? It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees who screwed him up. His own, quote unquote, people. And that's where we're at. So these four concepts I've built into a curriculum. People can go to bashiva.com and it's an educational program. We need to train people in political theory. You need to have physics. And I've created that curriculum. People need to get educated. We need to get educated fast. And within a half an hour, an hour, I can teach people. Two years of MIT control systems, I teach people those concepts. Then I apply it, anyone can understand it. And then you say, oh, I gotta build a bottoms up movement. They have to get politically astute, and then they have to go locally and act, not sit there on social media. They have to act locally, defy locally, be, do civil obedience locally, but with knowledge on how to build a movement. And the Senate campaign's expanded to the movement for truth, freedom, and health, and they can find it on V as in Victor A. Shiva, vashiva.com, so people can sign in, they can get access to a bunch of videos. If they want to take a course and become a truth, freedom, and health leader, I offer a full scholarship there. But we want people to make a commitment that they'll study, that they'll get certified, that they'll go do activities on the ground. So go to VA Shiva, Victory America Shiva, VAShiva.com. All right, everyone. I hope. Uh that video I always play because one of our goals is to build a movement of truth, freedom, health warriors globally. Um, so we're very straightforward about it. We want people to get these concepts. If you're um, when you, you know, I do a lot of these videos to really educate you on important subjects, but ultimately it serves as a interest bearing uh, platform. And then we uh, want people to go become warrior scholars because we want to create a, a global movement. So people recognize that, 
without this political education, without the community, without activism, we don't really head anywhere. Okay. So what I want to talk about today is really about a couple of things. I want to talk a little bit about history of the Indian caste system. It's very personal to me. I want to talk about the origin of it, how it was actually breaking down the transformation it was undergoing, how Gandhi and the British actually were vanguards and supported this racist caste system model. And then we want to talk about Gandhi as a collaborator with the British. So the main takeaway that we're going to talk about is Gandhi was a reactionary. What a reactionary is, let's say history is marching forward, a reactionary is someone who's absolutely going in the opposite direction, right? They want to go back to the good old days of, let's say, quote unquote, you know, Jim Crow, right? Or they want to go back to the good old days. And that's what Gandhi was. So Gandhi was not a revolutionary. He wasn't an agent of change. He was brought in. Um, Brian, can you just sit over there? It's a little bit distracting. Yeah. So Gandhi was really, sorry, Gandhi was really brought in to fundamentally bring the Indian masses to heel. That was the goal of Gandhi. He was an agent of the British Empire, period. Okay. And so let's begin with the caste system. What is the caste system? To some of you who've never heard about it, the caste system is a institutionalized way of enslaving people, but putting it into the framework as though this was something good for people and this was a part of Hinduism. So the apologists for the caste system will all, always say, oh, well, you know, it was just a guild system. If you were a carpenter, you know, you 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 were put as a carpenter. If you were a uh, plumber, you were put as this and, if were, and so on. So what was the caste system? The caste system was essentially a layered model, but it was institutionalized. So on the top layer were the Brahmins, okay? Who were those people who were the, quote unquote, the learned ones or the priesthood, okay? In the modern world, they would be the academics, okay? But they were the ones who supposedly had a direct connection to God and only they knew what was good for every human being. And part of, and they were, you know, into all this uh, being uh, anti-germs and, you know, everyone else was filthy except them. Okay, but the bottom line is they were the quote-unquote pure ones, the elite ones, the learned ones, etc. So those, those guys were on top. The second layer was what was called the kings, okay? Those people, modern day would be the politicians, okay? And the kings were the ones who had a direct, their advisors were the Brahmins, and the kings essentially would get advice from the Brahmins, and they would know, you know, what to do because they were getting direct connection from the, the Brahmin priesthood. The next layer was called the warrior caste. In modern world, it would be the military, okay? Politicians tell the military what to do, and in the modern world, the academics at Harvard and et cetera, places like that, or Oxford are the ones who tell the politicians what to do because the politicians are essentially a bunch of dumb shits and they need the experience of the so-called academics and the priesthood ultimately runs everything. And it's much, much has not changed today. We still have a modern caste system. So the kings would then unleash the military, the army. So that was the next level of the caste. 
And then the next group was the business folks, okay? And the business folks' job was to do business, traders, businessmen, merchants. No different than today, you have the Wall Street people. And then below them were what was called the shudras or the working people. They did all the work, okay? And then the working people were further divided into subcasts. So you have the plumbers, the electricians, you know, et cetera, the coconut pickers. Now, the interesting thing was um, the apologists for the caste system will keep saying, oh, it was just a guild system. Why are you getting so enraged? It was just the guild system. But the difference here was that if your son was a plumber and you were a plumber, well, he had to be a plumber. And his son, 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 son had to be a plumber. So the caste I grew up in was considered one of the lowest castes and everyone in my caste was supposed to be coconut pickers. Okay. So wasn't that you advanced because of your skill set? If you had this job, you were supposed to be that. Now, this construct created a very beautiful model of slavery, right? So everyone was kept in line. Everyone did their thing, right? And you could have a complete dumb shit who could be a Brahmin. And you could have a really brilliant person who was always dedicated to do one task in life, okay? Well, this was a caste system, very draconian, which means very, very fascistic. And this was a system of quote-unquote Hinduism. It was actually a complete adulteration of true Hinduism. But this was what this set of elites did. And India ran on this for thousands of years. All right? That's phase one. And we can go into deeper. You can go do a lot of studying on your own, but it's called the Indian caste system, okay? In the 8th century in India, something interesting occurred. The religious leaders, some of the more thoughtful religious leaders asked a fundamental question. They said, if there's equality in heaven, why isn't there equality on earth? If God created heaven, we're, you know, why don't we strive for equality here? And it was a very profound question. And that led to the development of something called the Bhakti Movement, B-H-A-K-T-H-I. John, if you can just type it in the comments, okay? B-H-A-K-T-H-I, the Bhakti Movement. And the leader, one of the leaders of this movement was a guy called Sankaracharya. And Sankaracharya asked a very interesting, he's the one who asked this question. And that led from the 8th century all the way to around the 15th, 16, 15th century, the rise, bhakti meant devotion to God, devotion to truth, freedom and health in many ways, okay? And these people who were devoted to truth, freedom and health said, hey, look, this caste system is bullshit, okay? We don't want to talk about saying, well, it was done because this is the way it should be. And, and since Frank was an electrician, you know, his son should be an electrician and everyone was happy. They said, this is nonsense. People should be able to pursue their own dreams. And that was really the, the essence of life was your connection to your creator and you being able to pursue your dreams, okay? So the Bhakti movement starts growing 8th century, 9th century, 10th century, 11th century. And this movement spreads all over India. And it has very profound effects. People who are musicians or merchants or entrepreneurs start getting elevated. You have the rise of artisans. They start working. People start rising up they start even getting more stature. And this is why when you start thinking about, if you go study a little bit of history, Vasco da Gama comes to India in the uh, 15th century, right? Um, 
the British, the French, the Dutch, East India Company, all these people come to India around the 15th, 16th century when you have the rise of the merchant class, the rise of artisans. It was a Renaissance period in Indian history. And it was during that period that people came to trade with the emergent class of these very, very vibrant group of people. At that same time, the Brahmins and the monarchy was starting to fall apart. They were actually losing power. So think about what I'm talking about. The monarchies are losing power. By the way, that was a phenomenon that was going over all over Europe, right? The You have the rise of quote unquote capitalism, the rise of trading, the Renaissance is taking place. And that too is occurring in India. This is why people came to India to trade with these very, very new emergent class. So initially the relationship between the British and the Dutch and the uh, French was a trading relationship with these emergent class of very vibrant, uh, revolutionary, progressive uh, Indian class, okay? So that goes on for a period of time, 16th, 17th century, but the British empire, not the British people, being who they are about divide and rule, about conquest, domination, you know, ruling the world, they say, shit, we have all these middlemen we're trading with, the kings, by the way, were falling apart. And they say, why are we supporting these traders? We have middlemen. Why don't we subvert them and go prop up the monarchs who were, by the way, should have, should have gone away? So the British monarchy supports the dwindling and the falling Indian monarchy. And so in 1757... In the Battle of Plassey in West Bengal, Britain moves from a trading organization. By the way, during that time, if you read a lot of the Indian history, the British would fight the French and the French would fight the Dutch. They were all fighting for territory and they would make all these different alliances. And what's fascinating to read, if you, if you follow the history, it would say the French army of 5,000 fought the British army of 8,000. But you find out 90% of the armies were Indians called sepoys, British Indians who participated in the British army, okay? So the British would recruit Indians and the French would recruit Indians and they would have them fight against each other, okay? So anyway, by the late, early 1700s, the British started saying, why don't we support the monarchs? And they struck deals. And so 1757 is important because the British went from a, a, a force, which was a force which was a trading force to becoming an occupying force. Okay, so that was an important uh, that was an important event that took place. Okay, and that event, okay, resulted in the occupation of India. So between seventeen, so what did the British do? The British were very clever. They said, "Wow, we got to control all these darkies, right?" Because remember, the caste system was going away. So how do we bring them back to heel? What do you think they did? Any thoughts? What they did was they said, wow, there was this thing called a caste system. So they go and find the pre-8th century draconian Brahmanical Hindu laws. And they bring in those Brahmin priests and they recodify those laws and this is, by the way, in a great book by a guy called Ramakrishna Mukherjee in a book called The Rise and Fall of the East India Company. It's a very hard book to get. But anyway, 
they essentially, instead of imposing British law on the Indian people, they imposed Indian law on the Indian people, but not 17th century Indian law or 18th century. They went and found eighth, pre-8th century Indian law, okay? So imagine, imagine the United States going back, not to the 17th century, but they go back, you know, uh, 800 years. Got it? To medieval times. So they bring that law back in India, which was the caste system. Okay, you're a coconut picker, you should be a coconut pick picker. Frank, you're an electrician, you should be an electrician. John, you're a, a videographer, you should be a video, and so should you be your sons. So they brought everyone back to heel. They created this draconian caste infrastructure. This makes sense? So the British reimpose a caste system, and most Indians don't know about this. And step by step by step, they bring the entrepreneurial, the vibrant Indians who are breaking from the caste system back to heel. All right. So that's what takes place. So by the late 1800s, and I, so now what's happening in Britain is, I mean, happening in India is the British do something very clever. You know, those same Brahmins who were the priesthood. Okay. They put them in key positions in India to be the civil servants of India, to be the bureaucrats controlling other Indians. Okay, so it's not white men control the brown people, but they get other brown people who they claim are the upper caste to control the other people. Okay, so they created this Indian civil service infrastructure in India called the Indian Administrative Service, still in existence today, called the IAS. And even today, it's a prestigious job if you become a member of the IAS. It's like becoming a member of the bureaucracy of the swamp in Washington. Okay. So the British created the Brahmanical IAS in India over 1700s, 1800s, and by the 1900s. Well, guess what happens in the 1900s? So the British have set up their brown infrastructure to manipulate and suppress the other million, hundreds of millions of brown people. But in the 1800s and 1900s, as I've talked about, revolution was in the air. In America in 1886, Haymarket takes place in Chicago where working people start fighting. Women start fighting for suffrage in the 1900s. The Russian Bolshevik revolution is taking place all over Britain. The elites are being threatened. So the early 1900s were a re revolutionary period in world history. Revolution was in the air. And that revolution meant in India too, in the early 1900s, the darkies were rising up. <laughs> Dark matter rises, okay? And these brown folks were saying, what the F is going on here that we have the British, they're using the same caste system to suppress us. We want a revolution. We want a revolution like America. They were quoting Thomas Paine. And, say, and they said, if America could kick out the British, why don't we kick out the British? So revolutionaries start rising up, real revolutionaries, okay? People like Tilak and Aurobindo and all these people's names, which have been completely written out of history, which has been controlled by the British, people like Bhagat Singh, okay? The Malcolm X of India, okay? These people start rising up. And there is a revolutionary movement brewing in India in the late 1800s and early 1900s. And the British are observing this, the Indian elites are observing this, and they're scared shitless, okay? So that's the second piece I wanna talk about, is that what I just talked about is that second piece. So first piece, Indian caste system existed, the Indian caste system was going away. The British reinstituted it. 
And then third, this revolutionary movement is growing in India in the early 1900s. In the middle of this movement, you have this care. So the British are saying, shit, what do we do? Okay, what do we do? Because they had billions invested in India, the Indian elite also were heavily invested in India. One of the little things I wanna bring up here is these are three big Indian companies. Some of you may have heard of, let me just bring an image here. These are three companies called Tata, Birla, and Bajaj. Okay, some of you may see this. Tata is this big company, Birla Group, and Bajaj. These guys do motorcycles today. Birla does all sorts of textiles. Tata owns a lot of uh, automotive, etc. So why am I bringing that up? The Tatas, the Birlas, and Bajaj were families during colonial times, okay? They were the bootlickers of India. They sucked British empire, whatever you want to call it, bohunkus, okay? And the British rewarded them handsomely. They gave them land. They gave them favors. They uh, gave them massive contracts, okay? And there were others. But these three, today, they are mega corporations in India. But they started with immense back-end support from the British. Well, those three people, guess what? They were agents of the British. They're the ones who propped up Gandhi. So just remember, revolutionary movement is taking place in India. Indians want a revolution. And then there is this freaking character called Mahatma, which means a great one, bullshit branding. And you have to understand this. The elites are very clever. His name was Mohandas K. Gandhi. Overnight, his name is changed to Mahatma Gandhi, right? Like the Christ. That's what they changed his name to. Branding, branding, branding. Okay. So who is Gandhi? Well, Gandhi is a two-bit lawyer in South Africa who is essentially a racist. So in South Africa, so Gandhi's his early part of his career was as a lawyer in South Africa. Well, so it is, if you watch this very, very propaganda movie, Gandhi, they promote him as though he was fighting for blacks and brown people in South Africa. You've seen that, right? Go see the movie. And by the way, when that movie was created with Ben Kingsley um, and Martin Sheen, it was at a time when people in India were have, had enough of Gandhi. So right when that happens, the British elites create another movie to prop up Gandhi. Well, if you go read that Gandhi, what you'll find out is, is that Gandhi in South Africa was first of all, not at all fighting for the rights of poor blacks. You know, remember South Africa's uh, 3% whites, massive racism. He actually wants to get trading rights for the wealthy Hindus in the Transvaal region. That's what he was fighting for. He wasn't really fighting for freedom. Number two, in South Africa, he supported the Boer, he supported the British in the Boer War against the Afrikaans. He supported the British against the Zulus, okay? And he also was convincing the British that the Indians in South Africa, the elites, were Brahmins and they were Aryans. And definitely the British should support the Brahmin Indians because the Africans were savages. And you can go read all this. He was a freaking racist scumbag. Is that as undiplomatic as I can get? But that's what he was. Gandhi was a racist scumbag. And in South Africa, you know, he he was actually um, 
funded, one of his ashrams in South Africa was funded by Tatas, one of the group sites. The big mega corporations funded by the British funded him in South Africa. Okay? So he's basically being propped up. He's a racist in South Africa. He thinks the Africans are savages. He is not helping the poor Hindus in South Africa or the working class. He's helping the elite Indians. So please get that very clearly. Now, when he comes to India, he's transported into India to really support this movement. Well, who supports his movement in India? Okay? The people that support his movement in India are the Birla group. They're the ones who fund his projects in India. Tata's and the Bajaj people give him land. How did this guy who comes out of nowhere get all the support? He had funding. He had massive amount of capital from the Tatas, Birlas, and the Bajajas. So you see how the British worked? They used these proxies who were already their bootlickers to fund Gandhi, okay? So the Tatas funded him, the Birlas funded him, okay? As well as the Bajaj group, all those three logos I just brought up. And you can go do your own research on this. But fundamentally, Gandhi was backed by mega, 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 mega corporations who were bootlickers of the British. He was a British agent. Wouldn't you say so, John? Yeah. Frank, what would you say? Sounds that way. Yeah. Okay. Now, you won't see this in the, in the movie Gandhi. You won't see this there. You won't see any Hollywood people talking about this. You won't see the Kennedys talking about this. But this is a reality, okay? So, so now you see what they did. They found their character. They created their actor. Ma and then they changed his name to Mahatma K. Gandhi, okay? Subra Mazumdar, this is great. Put, put him up there, John. This, we have a fellow Indian who says, Gandhi Pim, Hindus should not harbor anger in their hearts against Muslims, even if the latter want to destroy them, even if the Muslims want to kill us. Uh, we all should face death bravely, okay? So anyway, thank you, Subra. But Subra is basically saying that Gandhi basically practiced divide and rule, okay? But one of the most important things that Gandhi did was he put forward the caste system again. In fact, there was a true leader of India called Ambedkar. Ambedkar was like the Malcolm X of India who was against the caste system. And Gandhi in his debates with Ambedkar said, you know, Hinduism won't survive without the caste system. And Gandhi would talk about this old guild shit, you know, like we need the, the guild system. Always these apologists do that. So Gandhi, let me be very clear, was a casteist. He was not into freedom loving. He believed in this hierarchical system. He was not about peace, love, and understanding. Now, let's talk about Gandhi is promoted um, as this great man who was a nonviolent human being, right? How many people believe that? How many of you believe Gandhi, nonviolence, 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 show the other cheek, all this bullshit, okay? Well, first of all, let me give you a very important fact. When in 1931, when a peaceful demonstration took place in Peshawar, okay, where Indians were protesting, okay, against British colonialism, against the British atrocities. So here, Indians are protesting, and the British ask the troops to shoot in a peaceful demonstration. Remember, most of the British army was made up of Indians called sepoys, S-E-P-O-I-S. Guess what? The Indians say, no way, we're not shooting these peaceful protesters. You know what Gandhi's response to that was? Gandhi said, this is wrong. 
when people are told by their authority to follow orders, they should follow orders. They should have shot at those people. Let me repeat that again. This was a this was the kind of guy Gandhi was. He was a feudal scumbag, okay? People are having a peaceful protest. The British order their troops, which are Indian sepoys, to shoot. They don't shoot. And Gandhi says they were being disloyal to their authority. Okay? And you can go study this. And by the way, there was an interview in Le Monde in a French newspaper about this. If you want to go do the research. Fact. All right. Was Gandhi against war? Was he against war? Was he against war? Let's talk about that. Well, Gandhi actively recruited Indians to go fight in World War I. Okay? Remember the, the video I did. World War I was an imperial war started by the British to crush Germany to reinforce the racist concept of Cecil Rhodes, that German, no other country should ever challenge Britain. Gandhi recruited people for World War I and World War II. And by the way, he was given a medal for this, okay? Gandhi got a medal for recruiting people for World War I. Does that sound like a nonviolent person? He's a warmonger. He was a scumbag. And remember, all of this is occurring. It's not occurring at a time when Indians were wanting to kiss ass to the British. This was at a time when the broad mass of Indians wanted a revolutionary war like America had. They wanted to kick out the British. They wanted a revolution by any means necessary that was according to their national sovereign rights. All right? So... What they ended up using Gandhi, and Gandhi was a willing subject. So now India, what they do with Gandhi, and this is what you need to understand in our not-so-obvious establishment series. What the not-so-obvious establishment does is always divert people into the legislator. Someone just wrote me that, you know, when we do protests, what do we do, John? We take to the streets. We don't have protests going to legislators. In this anti-jab movement, the scumbag Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who never wanted to do protests, who attacked me for doing protests in New Jersey, which is how we won, is now suddenly trying to hijack the movement. And he's trying to do protests, but he's telling people to go beg to the legislators. Uh-uh, that's not what a true workers movement is. So Gandhi did the same thing. This is He's the father of the not-so-obvious establishment. So what they did in India was they created the Indian National Congress, like a parliament for the Indians. They don't want people on the streets building their own movements. They want people in nice little plush offices talking and thinking they're better than everyone, becoming parliamentarians and legislators. So they created the Indian legislature called the Indian National Congress. It was It's called the safety valve technique of the elites. So they said, oh, look, let's all talk. Let's all debate. Because, and remember, this is now going backward. There's already a revolutionary movement creating. So the British, at the blessings of Gandhi, their agent, create the Indian National Congress. Now they can bring the quote-unquote left and right together, and they can watch how they fight against each other. Okay? 
to pacify the people. Thanks, Frank. It's a safety valve. Let out the let out the steam. Calm down the masses. And then they take some of these Indian elite Brahmins. One of them was called Nehru, N-E-H-R-U, the first prime minister of India. Nehru was a complete, you know, Anglophile suck ass to the British Empire. He so the the last British emperor was known as a guy called Lord Mountbatten, M O U N T B A T T N. Lord Mountain Mountbatten's wife was a woman called Edwina. Okay. Nehru, who was supposedly the leader of India, was banging Mountbatten's wife. Get that? That's how much of an enemy he really was against the British. Well, Nehru promotes, I mean, Gandhi promotes Nehru to be the next prime minister of India. He was in the arms of the British, everyone. And Nehru becomes the next prime minister. In fact, the Indian, in 1947, when this transfer of power takes place from the British elites to the Indian elites, guess what the document is called? Is it called the Declaration of Independence? No, it's called the transfer of power. <laughs> That's what the document is called. Okay? It is called the transfer of power. Think about that. They blatant, The elites are so blatant, just like they are today. Look at how blatant the elites are. And people still want to suck ass to Trump. They still want to suck ass to the Kennedys. They're very blatant. So they call the document the Indian transfer of power. And the Indian transfer of power basically says we're going to transfer power from the British monarchy to the Indian monarchy, anointed by Gandhi. So Nehru, Jawaharlal Nehru, becomes the first prime minister of India, anointed by Gandhi and the British. Now, you would think this is supposed to be democracy. Well, 10, 20 years later, his daughter becomes the next prime minister. And guess who becomes the next prime minister after that? His uh, her son. And then guess who becomes the head of the Congress party running India? Her daughter-in-law. It's a fucking monarchy. And now they have a son running. Okay? So, Gandhi for 70 years transferred power. He's a not so obvious establishment. He's the pimp who sold India. Abhishek says, can you share all your sources on this topic? Any other sources you find important on the history of Indian Hinduism? Sure, Abhishek. Abhishek, number one, you should go read the book. By the way, there's one copy of this in the Widener Library called The Rise and Fall of the East India Company. Rise and Fall of the East India Company. Number one book. Number two book is you should go study the debate between Ambedkar and Gandhi. Number three, go look at, you can just go look at it. South Africa, Gandhi, Zulus. Go look at South Africa, Gandhi, Transvaal. And you do your own research. But the point is, the facts are actually quite obvious. The question we have to ask is why do people, how, how were the elites able to create out of this dirtbag Gandhi some fucking hero? Right, Frank? Your mother said, oh, Gandhi is a great... Great, great hero, right? What did she say, Frank? That's the narrative we grew up with. Yeah, the narrative we grew up is that, okay? So you got to understand the opportunity here is to learn 
about how powerful the elites are in creating narratives that are just bullshit, okay? And this is done for one singular reason. So working people do not unite and do not build a militant bottoms-up movement to destroy both wings of the establishment. That's why this is done. I'll repeat that again. The purpose of creating characters like Gandhi, creating the Camelot bullshit of the Kennedys, or Martin Luther King, which we're going to talk about also. Sorry, I got to break that bubble. Okay? Eventually, we'll talk about the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Right, John? We'll go down the whole list because it's time that the son of indentured servants and a lower caste darkie has to do the freaking dirty job. It's not going to come from billionaires. It's not going to come from celebrities. But that's my, I guess, lot in life to do this work. Okay? But it's got to be done because it is the not so obvious establishment like the Gandhis is a reason today we have jab mandates, is a reason we have mask mandates, is a reason we have domestic censorship infrastructure. It is because the left wing and the right wing, Democrats and Republicans, Tory and Labour, all over the world, left and right, have had their Gandhis and their Kennedys and their Martin Luther Kings and their AOCs and all these bullshitters who have purposely been created to ensure we don't build a vibrant, militant workers movement. And they have vilified the word workers unite as though Karl Marx singularly owns that slogan. Our movement is workers unite beyond left and right, truth, freedom, and health. And in order to do that, you have to fight for you. And in order for you to fight for you, number one, you have to get politically educated. So that's why I quote unquote sell truth, freedom, and health. That's why I push it so hard because you have to go get the right education. And if you don't want to get the right education, you're going to think Gandhi was some fucking hero. You're going to think Trump is a fucking hero. You're going to be misled by this other suck ass, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and all those fools. It is time that you learn to fight for you. Well, how do you do that? Well, just like if you wanted to build an airplane, you're going to have to learn Bernoulli's principles. You're going to have to learn the principles of system science. Go to truthfreedomhealth.com. That's the first gift you get. Second gift you get is our own community that we built in our own data center. Frank's our electrician. He's our director of infrastructure here. Frank's helped us with that. We have volunteers who've helped us. We have our own infrastructure. With the inventions I created, I was fortunate to buy this building at our own data center. I've contributed that to the movement. Take freaking advantage of it. Number three, we're training how do you for you to be a leader of bottoms-up activists. So after tonight's talk, I want to see all of you going to truthfreedomhealth.com and becoming warriors and scholars, breaking from this bullshit of the not-so-obvious establishment. You will also learn system science. You will understand the science, how the establishment creates the not-so-obvious establishment, how they create the Gandhis. And every generation, they have their new Gandhi. And you will also create how they create opportunists. And what is an opportunist? An opportunist doesn't do what's right at the right time. They wait six months. They wait a year. In 2020, it was our movement that said Fauci is full of shit. It was our movement which fought 
for against the censorship infrastructure. It was our movement which exposed election integrity. And now a year later, you have Rand Paul talking about Fauci. It's easy to call out Fauci now and write books about it and steal our shit. But that should have happened in 2020. Opportunists. And this is the reason we're here today, because for far too long, people have been bamboozled by opportunists and the not so obvious establishment. So if you want your freedom, if you want truth, and if you want health, you better get your shit together and go be a student or you will be enslaved. Now, the good news is you got the guy who got all those degrees from MIT, who worked his ass off, who didn't sell out who used all my knowledge to consolidate the curriculum so you don't have to go to MIT, you can learn this stuff because the elites know the science of systems. And if you don't learn it and we don't have enough people learn it, we will head into the dark ages. But the difference now than ever we've had historically, typically there's been the establishment and the not so obvious establishment, but guess what? Guess what? There's a new dog in town, okay? And that is a movement for truth, freedom, and health. There's a new sheriff in town. And we've never had this ever in history. So you better take advantage of this if you are serious about winning. It's enough to talk about aliens and it's enough to talk about, you know, the elites due to this. But the issue is, what do you want to do? Do you want to fight? Do you want to learn how to fight? Or do you want to live in slavery? Because we're frankly in slavery right now. The jab mandates have nothing to do with vaccine or no vaccine. They're about this long movement of the elites wanting to subjugate you and put you into slavery. So when someone's got to choose between their job or getting jabbed, that's nothing to do with vaccines. It has to do with slavery. And you're looking at a son, a grandson of indentured servants. So I know a little bit about this. And don't think those in power do not want to put you back into slavery. They have their Mahatma Gandhis. They have their people in Malibu and their billionaires. And if you think Donald Trump or the Kennedys or these fuckers, fucker Carlson included, are going to give you freedom, you're out of your mind. So we want to open up the phone lines, John. So we've set up a phone line. So let's have a discussion. But everyone here, if you're serious, Take advantage of this. It's time for you to fight for you. But in order for you to fight for you, you have to learn the physics. You, okay. Carmen. Yeah. So you, you mentioned, uh, so the vaccine mandates are, are not about vaccines. They're about control. In China, they already have uh, social uh, ratings. Yeah. Right. Can you talk a bit about that? Like, uh, yeah. Look, China, China, China is basically where the elites and the government have become completely one. The Communist Party, imagine all the big corporations of America openly becoming one with the government. Right now, they keep this fictitious difference. But they're one. And part of that is to complete enslavement. So they have a social media score. They want to go into, quote, unquote, you know, um, uh, they want to go into, quote, unquote, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, digital currency. This is all about caging you, no longer in physical handcuffs or whatever, chains, but in digital chains. This is about slavery. Don't get lost in this pro-vax, anti-vax. This is about, very simple, it's one word, slavery. John, do we have anyone calling in? Yeah, we have a couple people. Okay, so we're going to bring some people in. We have our new call-in uh, system. Go ahead, John, who do we have? 
caller from Toronto, Canada. Go ahead. Who do we have online? Uh, hi, Dr. Shivaya. How are you? This is Krishna from Canada. Hey, Krishna. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great. Go ahead, Krishna. I'm doing great, sir. What's your question? So, uh, so uh, Mahatma Gandhi, uh, how, how can we find more sources on him? Like, uh, what book would you recommend? Yeah, so Krishna, thank you, Krishna. Is that your question? Thank you. Oh, yeah, that's it. Okay, so we'll take the next one. So let me answer. So Krishna's question, who's from Toronto, obviously, with a name like Krishna, I assume he's from India. Um, but Krishna's question, where can you find out more about Mahatma Gandhi? First of all, it's a fascinating question. It's a great question. Why is it that we can't find all this information about Gandhi? Why is it that I had to do this own research? And I think I should probably do a book called Mahatma Gandhi, The Pimp Who Sold India. Maybe I'll do a small booklet, okay? And put all the references in there for everyone. Krishna, if you like that, I'll do that for you, okay? John, let's put that you on our... You just oh, thank you very much. Okay. Yeah, but I can tell you one of the references, Krishna, you should go read. If you can get this book, it's very hard to get. It's probably out of copyright right now, but it's called The Rise and Fall of the East India Company, okay? And that will give you the history that I shared about it, the caste system, the entire... It's a beautiful, very beautifully scholarly book, okay? The other area that you should research yeah. is just go read the early history of India in the 1900s, a revolutionary history of people like Tilak, okay? You should go read the works of Ambedkar, his debates with Gandhi, okay? What I will do is I will do a booklet on this. We'll put it on the site. People can support the movement, okay? Because this takes a lot of effort, but I'll do that for you, Krishna. But if you want to understand the entire caste system, go read the rise and fall of the East India Company. Um, I have one question regarding the caste system. Yes. So, uh, I mean, there are castes in India, like, but before the British conducted the census on caste, there was never a hierarchy of caste in India until the British came in. What would you say to that? Well, it's an interesting thing. So, you, so the British came in in what, 1600s, right? Let's say, okay. What you're talking about was the hierarchy okay. of the caste system was starting to dwindle by between the 8th century and the 15th century. That's why I want you to go read the rise and fall of the East India Company. Okay, you'll see that. But prior to the 8th century, it was a very strict system. Okay, very, very draconian. So that's why the Sankaracharya movement was significant and the Bhakti movement. The Bhakti movement was a profound okay. movement in Indian history, which 99% of Indians don't even know anything about. Okay. The problem is that the British and the Indian elites were very clever in completely over 300 years. They destroyed true Indian culture. They destroyed the medicines of India, the Siddha system of medicine, right? They destroyed the real essence of what Hinduism was. They destroyed the real essence of being an Indian. They denied Indians to ever have a progressive nationalism. So they gave a father of India called Gandhi. And I said, if Indians believe Gandhi is a father of India, then we're all freaking bastards. Okay. Next. Yeah. So next call. Thanks, uh, Krishna. I guess. Do you, do you have an, I'm sorry, Krishna. I didn't want to cut you off. Did you, did you have another point? Yeah. Gandhi should be called Ghazi. Ghazi means uh, the slaughter of infidels by the Muslims. 
So Gandhi should be called Gazi for uh, doing this to the Hindus. Well, what, what Gandhi did, remember, what was the central three words that described British policy wherever they went? India, America, Africa, wherever they went. What was the three words that described British policy? Anyone? Three words. First, what, first divide, and rule. divide and rule. Okay. So prior to the, you know, prior to, you know, the, the Gandhi's goal was to incite the slaughter, the, the, the war between Hindus and Muslims. That was his job to ensure that one group was slaughtered by another group and then to have the other group hate the other group. You see what I'm saying? That is a British model, wherever they went, all over Africa. So we have to understand, and that's what's happening in the United States right now. You have one group of working class fighting against another group of working class on every issue, on racism, on censorship, etc. Thanks, Krishna. Great questions. Go join our movement, okay? I expect to see you in there as a student, okay? Sure. Thank okay. you very much. Dr. Thank you. Let's take the next question. Caller from Los Angeles, California. Okay, let's take a caller from Los Angeles, California. Who do we have? Oh, hi, Doctor. This is uh, this is Stephen. How are you? This is just a, a blessing, and I, I really appreciate everything that you're doing. How do we help fight this? Uh, what is the best thing that we can do? Yeah, so, so, so the number one thing, Stephen, you're asking a very, very important question. And, and I think you're asking the most profound question is that what is to be done, right? That's what you're saying. So the, yes, sir. the first thing is there can be no change in the world without understanding the physics of change. And let me be very simple about it, right? Think about building a bridge, right? Think about building yeah. a, a light bulb. Think about, uh, uh, you know, Frank is our electrician here, right? Think about doing electricity in your, uh, putting some electrical wiring in your home. Think about building a computer. Think about building an airplane. You cannot do any of this without fundamental understanding of science. Agreed? We, yes. You, you, would, you wouldn't call some random guy into your home and say, hey, could you wire my uh, home up for me? Would you do that? No. Okay. No. Yet, when it comes to revolutionary change or fundamental, we, we seem to think we're just going to do it somehow. We're going to follow Martin Luther King or Mahatma Gandhi or the Kennedys. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So if, you, if, we, if we get that first principle that you cannot build anything without understanding the physics of that, I don't care what it is building this little cup. I don't care if you want to make chai tea. There is a science to it, okay? If you, if you want to make whatever you want to do, there's a science to something, okay? There's a methodology. There's a process that'll get. If you want to learn skiing, you could stumble on down or you could get a good coach and you'll say, do this, do this, do this, right? So... There is a science if we truly want truth, freedom, and health. And this has been the long march of human history from the time of Pharaoh to the time of pyramids. How do we achieve that? So I'm here to tell you that I have discovered those principles of system science. So number one, you have to get educated, Stephen, okay? You have to take time, and I've made it so in the midst of your working life, you can take about three hours and you can get educated. Number two, that's only one part. There's three parts here. Number two, you have to have collegiality with other people because once you learn how to build an airplane, you should talk to other engineers, right? Because you'll get ideas from them. Yeah. 
That's number two, because now you're at a different state of political consciousness. Number three, number three, the most important thing is you need to get on the ground. You can't just you can't be a blacksmith. You can't be an engineer just studying, you know, doing Maxwell's equations. You got to get on the ground. You got to build a motor, right? You got to build a computer. You see what yeah. I'm saying? So that's called the activism. So education, the community building and the activism. I, I want John to play a quick video. So those three things I've put together, I've used, Very you know, good. the guy who invented email, I think the biggest innovation I hope to go, not only the invention of email, but the platform for creating revolutionary change. So we've created that. So you come in and you get educated on stuff that you can't even learn at MIT, okay, in three hours. And then I want you to learn how to teach that to other people, okay? But without that Thank political, so without that political theory, you will be bamboozled because you won't in control systems here. There's something called the disturbance. So I teach you that, but you don't have to go to MIT and take 203 and 2031 and and study general systems theory. I've made it so we can take these laws of the universe and apply them to politics or apply it to your body. That's oh that, well, yeah. That sounds like a win-win. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. For yeah. So so go go sign up, John. I, 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 I'm going to have I John play the uh, the video. Yeah, John played the video, so it takes about five minutes, but I want everyone to listen to this. And I'm not here to sell you anything. I'm here to tell you that we have the tools, which we did not have ever in the life, wherever in the in the course of human history. It's like we didn't have the Bernoulli's principles. We didn't have Newton's equations. John, can you play that, please? Hello, this is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. Welcome to VA Shiva, the platform of education, technology, and activism, so you may raise your consciousness to win the truth, freedom, and health you need to create the future you deserve. The VA Shiva platform provides this truth, freedom, health warrior scholars the following three capabilities. Number one, an ultimate education that is based on the science of systems. Number two, technologies to empower you to take charge of your health, as well as social media tools, independent of big tech, so you can connect with other incredible truth, freedom, health warrior scholars equally dedicated like you to winning truth, freedom, and health. Three, instruments for activism so you become a beacon of light in your online and offline community to educate others, growth, and advancement. VA Shiva provides you the foundations of the science of systems, the ultimate education. The science of systems provides you the missing fundamental scientific knowledge to understand every system in and around you. The science of systems will enable you to uncover the real problem and real solution in any situation and on any issue. Concerning the educational component, first you will receive direct access to me to learn the science of systems in my three-hour live private online group class that I run every week. Second, you will have access to archived lectures so you can continue your education independent of me. Third, you can test your proficiency in learning the fundamental principles and get a formal certification for the foundations of systems. Independent of this classroom education, you will receive also four important books. The first book is the best-selling classic Systems and Revolution from which you can learn all of these concepts and more. The second book is the science of everything that will educate you on how the science of systems is the foundational knowledge of every system in the universe. The third book, Your Body, Your System, focuses on how to understand the interplay of these systems within your own body. And then the fourth book, Your System, Your Life, will help you apply these principles to other aspects of your life, such as running a business, understanding relationships, and more. Beyond the curriculum and books, the second capability is the technologies that you will be afforded. One of them is a powerful Your Body, Your System software, which is an online laboratory where you can use your body as a system to further deepen your understanding of the science of systems. 
systems. The tool allows you to understand what kind of system you are. Is your system on course or is it off course? And how the inputs of food, supplements, herbs, activities such as sleep, yoga, meditation, exercise can affect your body to bring it back on course. Finally, to support your education, I've also included a seminal scientific paper that I wrote which will help you understand that the knowledge of systems it does not only originate in the modern world starting in the 1920s and 30s, but it actually dates back 10 to 20,000 years and intersects directly with the foundations of Eastern systems of medicine. In addition to this, you will also get two scientific papers sharing how the science of systems can also be used to apply to understanding how food is medicine. One paper exposes turmeric from the molecular systems level and how it affects your body. The other paper explores ginger and how that affects your body. That's just the educational piece. As you raise your consciousness through this education, you will likely want to connect with other Truth Freedom Health Warrior Scholars in an environment where you can connect and build community. To support that, I've also created two powerful social media tools. One of them is the VA Shiva Forum. Here you can start discussions, you can pose questions and meet others and have healthy debates. The other is VA Shiva Social, where you can create your own profile, your own presence, like other major social media tools. However, it is independent of big tech. You can use VA Shiva Social to interconnect with your fellow Truth Freedom Health Warrior Scholars and build community. Beyond the education capability and the social media capability, the platform also enables you to take action by disseminating your knowledge on the ground and into your local online and offline communities. Powerful educational cards and research are included so you can pass these cards to your friends and neighbors that provide them summarized content which further directs them to online research and education. In addition to this, the activism component also provides you many, many short one-minute educational video content, memes, and text allowing you to quickly craft messages for your Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, and other pages so you can deliver content to educate others and drive them to longer educational posts on VA Shiva. VA Shiva is fundamentally an enabling platform for you to get the truth, freedom, and health you deserve through education, technology, and activism. I hope you become a truth, freedom, and health warrior scholar today. Thank you. One of the things I want to let everyone know is the course program I put together, by the way, the infrastructure that we put together, we don't owe anything to Facebook. We don't owe anything to Amazon. I built that infrastructure myself and we'll do a video. I don't think you'll find too many people who do broadcasts like this and who run for politics who actually knows how to go in there and fix a UPS system, right? Do his own wiring. And our team does that. So that infrastructure costs us money right? We have our own infrastructure, but we have dedicated this to the system. So I used to teach this course at MIT where people paid, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. I used to teach it all over the world. And then we used to teach it here in this room five, 10 years ago to many people. And then we went online, we offered it for free, right, John? And no, and, and no one wanted to take it. And then we said, okay, give us 50 bucks and people wanted to take it. Okay. So people are really weird when it comes to money. Okay. It seems like if you give away shit for free, people don't want to take it. And then when you charge something, you have people saying, oh, he needs to make money. Well, the reality is this. We have infrastructure to run. And it does cost money. But we've made this like $150 contribution. Well, we used to charge $3,000. So if if those of you are seriously destitute, give me a call. Okay. My email is vashiva at vashiva.com. And we'll give you a full scholarship. But I don't think anyone's that destitute. Okay. But the bottom line is we're creating a movement, a global movement. We have close to 
100,000 members who've signed up, they don't have to pay anything. You still get a lot of gifts. Some people become supporters. Some people become warriors. Some people are committed to become leaders. It's really up to you. No one's forcing you to do anything. John, let's take the next call. We're also adjusting the price regionally for different costs. Of yeah, yeah. By the way, one of the things we're doing is we know people in Nigeria have a very different cost structure than people in America. $100 in, in America is relatively nothing or $50, right? So we're going to be adjusting that. But the reason we charge something, A, we have infrastructure. I can't be funding this all day because I also have to fund other things. But it's an opportunity for you to be part of something. And psychologically, people feel like they should give something. So if anyone has a better idea of doing this, I'm all yours. Okay. But let's take the next call. Go ahead, John. What do we have? Hello. Hi, who's this? Yes, it's Patrick. Hi, Patrick. How are you? Patrick, I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? Good. What's your question? My question is, what's the uh, third option? Because you're saying that we can't go with the establishment, so you can't go Republican or Democrat. It's similar in Canada. You can't go liberal or conservative. In Canada, we have the People's Party, which I'm a part of. That is a grassroots movement. And, and I'm just wondering, like, what is the third option that you would recommend? Can can anybody in Canada partner with a third option in the U.S.? Yeah. So, look, the so let me just be clear. I've said there's three sides to any situation. One side is the obvious establishment. Does that make sense, Patrick? Those people obviously want to be in power and control, et cetera. Right. The second option is what yes. I call the grifters and the not so obvious establishment. But typically, historically, until this moment in history, you've only had those two sides. The third option is a movement for truth, freedom and health, which teaches people politics, how to come together and how to do activism. That operating system. Yes, you, grassroots. Yes. Well, it's more than just grassroots. Bernie Sanders uses the word grassroots. We're talking about something much more specific, a bottoms up movement, which is founded in the scientific theory of system science and which has a very powerful brand equity, which is truth, freedom and health, which is converted to which is which is based on universal laws. OK, this is more than just. But, but is that let me let me just finish. This is more than is just going to be. A, what I'm saying is, I'm sorry, I'm look, sorry. It, there's a slight delay, I think. But what, let me just finish my statement. My point is what we are creating is a think about it as a operating system. OK, when you open up your iOS, you have an operating system, right? And you have all these apps running on it. We've never had an operating system for revolutionary change. That is what the movement for truth, freedom and health is. Now, in Canada, we have created leaders. We want people to take that operating system of truth, freedom and health. You could use it in your own way just to better your health, as the video talked about. You could use it to support a political movement there. You see what I'm saying? But without those fundamental principles, any of these movements are going to fail because they're not founded in fundamental scientific theory, just like if you try to build an airplane without with, without understanding Bernoulli, Bernoulli's law, that plane will eventually crash and burn. So think about it as, as a core foundational system. So if you want to, let's say, run in Canada, which would be awesome, but you should run under the banner of truth, freedom and health, because what we're saying is without freedom, we're never going to get to truth, which is science. And without real science, we're never going to understand what's right for our bodies. And without finding out what's right for our bodies, we're never going to be able to have the strength to fight for freedom or to explore truth. And that's where we're at. So what we're saying is the movement of information, matter and energy, freedom. 
people who want the First Amendment, Second Amendment. Those people have to. I want to. I want in Canada. In Canada, I want to run under the People's Party. I want to run under Truth and Freedom, and I want to partner with somebody in your organization. Yeah. So, so, so what? 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 Know what political party that you're representing in the U.S. So we don't. Do you have a political party that you're representing, or is it simply independence? So, so let's talk about you bringing up an. And so, what Patrick is saying: Do we represent a political party? Okay. You know, Jesse Ventura wrote a very interesting book. You know, he ran, ran, ran as an independent. He won in Minnesota. He said, you know, all these political parties eventually will fail. So let's just take a very important step back, okay? What you're talking about is electoral politics, right? Winning, getting into Congress. Yeah. Okay, let's just talk about that, okay? Let's just understand this one important principle, and this is why I want you to take the course. How has any significant change happened? And I'm, and I'm, I'm no, no, also no. studying system science. I'm, I'm also in the computer science course. So yes, I am studying. So, so Patrick, but yeah, so that's that, that's great. By the way, what I want to ask you is, when you look at the arc of human history, if you look at any significant change that has occurred in a short period of time where it gave more freedom to people, when did that occur? Major upsets in in history. Yeah, Major like changes like Constantinople. Well, yeah. I mean, and so how did these major changes ever occur? Was it through voting for somebody? Was it running for office? Was it through electioneering? I think it was an intervention from God, but I don't want to take it in that direction. Okay. Well, okay. Let's fine. We can put that over here and that may be true, but in the material physical world here, right? How has any, how did women get the voting rights? Let's take something like that. How did that happen? Somebody with a passion, somebody that really believed in, in what they believed in, somebody that stood up for truth. Right. And then what did they do with that? They gathered a group of people to join them in their belief. Right. And how did they do that? By going out and meeting the people, by expressing their belief, either through a book or a speech or a, a, uh, a presentation to the public. Right. Did they go on Tucker Carlson's show? No, no, yeah, they did they get on CNN? <laughs> Definitely not. Did they create Definitely a political? Did they create a political party and run for office? Um, I'm not sure. Well, let me tell you. Let's take the women's right movement. By the way, women in the United States got the right to vote in 1920. Afghan women got the right to vote in 1919. Okay, and we'll come back to that. Okay, how did women get the right to freaking vote in in the United States? I'll tell you how. When they went to the Congress, Susan B. Anthony, and they said, we like to vote, the Democrats and Republicans laughed at her. You know what she did? She was for universal suffrage for women and black people. She took to the streets, neighbor to neighbor to neighbor. Yes. And this lesson, yes, yes. we all freaking forget. Oh, I got to run for office. I got to start a fucking political party. This is a distraction. So what our movement teaches people is, number one, understand the science of systems. Number two, connect with others. Number three, learn how to go neighbor to neighbor to neighbor on any issue. It is about you educating, learn, teach, and serve. This is so fundamental. Oh, I got to start a political party. Which political party do I start? Are you in a political party? You're asking the wrong fucking questions. Excuse my language, okay? Don't take it personally, okay? The issue is okay, yeah. we need to build 
first an understanding. We got to go back to a clean slate. We can't be, forget all the old models. We got to go back to understand the science of systems. Step one, layer one. Step two, using that science, now you say, okay, I understand how these work. Now I got to find other people because it's good to have discourse, right? Then I got to go on the ground. So yeah. if you go to our, when you log into the dashboard, you'll see we've created a little card to teach you about the real issue with masks, how you can go. It's not just to teach you the science, but I want you to get off your ass and go to your neighbor and have a discussion with him. And we teach you how to have that. Yeah. He may be pro-mask, that's okay. He may be pro-vaccine, but maybe yeah. he had to get the freaking vaccine because he's got three kids, four kids. He doesn't have uh, you know, a trust fund. And the issue is to teach him, look, you got the vaccine. Okay, you had to do that. But let me tell you, the real issue is you became a slave and you had to choose between money in the bank or getting this jab. And you have compassion for that person right. and you move them down the path of, yeah. you know, the real issue is public health. You thought getting a vaccine was for public health. I realized it wasn't, but we both agree we need public health. Well, how did we get public health? And, and the course will teach you. Public health comes from infrastructure, sanitation, hygiene, right? Elimination of child labor. Well, how do yeah. we get infrastructure? It came through mass movements. And this is why the elites- Well, in Canada, we're pushing, I want you to know we're pushing for truth, freedom, and health through the People's Party. It's grassroots, and we are trying to go door to door. We are trying to push for truth, and we really appreciate what you're saying. And, yeah, so, so, and so, I want to really thank you for, for what you're doing. So, in your podcast and in your messages because it's really resonating with us here. We're not part of the political establishment. That's excellent. But we are pushing for truth, freedom, and health, and we want people to join our, our, our movement. It is a movement. It's not, it's not part of the political establishment, and we are pushing for medical freedom, freedom of choice. So, Patrick, do this. Email me at vashiva at vashiva.com, and I'll connect you with some of our leaders there. You need to become a leader there. You need to start learning this and educating people so it's sustainable. It's not dependent on it's it's it, we decentralize this. Okay, so please email me and I'll connect you with other people. Okay. Will do. Will thanks, do. Patrick. Thank you so much. Great thank work you for all that you're doing. It's awesome. Yeah, great. Well, thanks for calling in. Okay. Take care. Yeah, but email me vashiva at vashiva.com. Don't forget. Okay, I'll put my email up there. Go ahead, John. Next caller. Caller from Miami, Florida. Okay, we Hello. got someone from Miami. Who do we got? Hello, is it me? Yes. What's your name? And you're from Miami. What's uh, your question and your comment? Yes. Hi, my name is David. Uh, it's a huge honor to be on. Thank you so much. I sent you a request to interview later on, but whatever. That's not it. What okay. I wanted to ask you was first. Um, uh, okay, sorry. If you can write down this number real quick, two. Four seven three four six four three. Okay. Two four three. Uh, sorry. Two four seven three four six four. You got it, John. Okay. So that, if you Google it, is one of the vaccine patents, and I've been trying to get. Oh yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Thanks, David. Yeah, you sent me a bunch of the patents for. Go ahead. Why don't you just summarize in a very succinct way what that's all about? So if you Google that number, it'll the first link will be from the NIH, and in there uh, you can see that the the vaccine is very dangerous, and I've been trying to put it like shine light to 
show everyone. You would need an engineer and a doctor to, to understand that the subject doesn't have terminally minimum and the water's not activated. And in this abstract, it shows you that raw water, with us drinking raw water, not having activated uh, water with the tourmaline, it'll pro, it will not inhibit the proliferation of hypotoma cells. And I've been wanting to tell someone, and I, I sent you a message. I have more important things I'd like to share. So why uh, don't I you... I want to show you that and your questions on that. So, so why don't you say in a very simple way, If it, I know it's hard. If you look at that patent that you said, what's the summary of that patent in, in a way that okay. a non-technical person could understand? If you Google that number, it'll... I mean, Google that number, the Google will give you listings whatever the first link is from the nih when you click it and you click the abstract it'll explain how the person that's taking from this test from the test from the nih in the abstract it'll say the like the subject doesn't have tourmaline which has 369 properties which means when light hits in, inside this crystal it polarizes and it doesn't escape because it does 369 i mean those 90 degree angles so this this person, us, we don't have it in us, and the water that we're consuming is not activated. Therefore, this person will have uh, proliferation of hypotoma cells. Okay, let me look at it, and I'll try to do a live on it, but thank you. Thanks for letting us know about this. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and also, like how you say, how they hide all this information, even just a simple Google search of how to activate water, because activated water is very healthy for you. Even when you Google that, Google, the wicked, the people above won't even let you. It'll be just nonstop uh, links of how to like change your, your meter for the water. They don't teach you healthy things, like how to out, how to activate water. And I, and I guess that's it. I, I sent a request. If I could speak to you, I have so much more for, important things I want to share and you can vet me I, like I'm not a plant you could ask me to do anything to prove that I'm not a plant or anything okay well Thank um, you yeah me. please yeah have you and, got I, and I guess that's it I, I sent a request if I could speak to Oops. you I have Why so it coming through? more okay great thank you let's take the next caller thank you thank you thank you bye-bye okay be well bye-bye all right next caller from Staten Island New York okay so we have our next caller from Staten Island New York by the way it's 8.33, and, and for people joining, today's talk is part of our not-so-obvious establishment series. John, John, can you bring up the, the graphic again? And what we've been talking about is this is a, a very, you know, potentially highly controversial topic, but it's really bursting the bubble on this guy called Gandhi, and we named the title of this talk Gandhi, the pimp who sold India. And what we've been covering today is to really expose to people using Gandhi as a penultimate example of an individual who represents how powerfully organized over many, many decades, the establishment is, is to pushing someone down our throat who was an obvious scumbag as though he was our savior, our quote unquote Mahatma. Thanks, John. Go ahead, who do we have from Staten Island? Hi, my name is Elvia Fuentes and I have one very quick question. Is there any plan to uh, run the messenger RNA vaccine into the cytosol system and see what effect it has in yeah. the body? Yeah, great question. So for years, many of you know that, uh, what was your name? Elvira, was it? Elvia. Elvia, Elvia, thank you. From um, So look, when I first created Cytosolve, one of my thoughts was, that you know, pharma would want to use this technology to, first of all, eliminate animal testing, 
We could help them figure out stuff that didn't work. In fact, I thought that I could really, you know, quote unquote, um, help these people. Uh, we went to, for example, a company called Alnylam. They actually use Cytosol to model a very rare disease. In fact, I went to Pfizer, believe it or not. And when they had their innovation group, they had us model a disease called lupus, okay? And the guys that were there were, you know, it's, it's, in some of these companies, you find some radicals, and then suddenly that whole group got shut down. But if we can find, and I want everyone to do this, if those of you out there can find out the actual ingredients in the mRNA vaccine, we can run it through cytosol, we can run each ingredient through, from a toxicity standpoint. My theory is a reason, if you wanna even give them the benefit of the doubt, the current booster shot, even if you talk to people in pharma, they'll tell you that it is ineffective because the way that pharmaceutical drugs work is A, um, Elvia, they're trying to figure out how much should I give of this drug, right? That it has some effect, positive effect, but how much should I not give of it so it causes toxicity. You follow what I'm saying? One is called efficacy. The other is called toxicity. Now, I think what they found was that above a certain dosage, it's probably causing toxicity. So they gave a lower dosage. That's why even the booster maybe on a good day lasts 180 days. Now, they may have done it on purpose to keep getting recurring revenue. You follow what I'm saying? So every six months, you got to go. But to all of you out there, if we can get the actual ingredients, because you have to find out all the ingredients in there, we can take each ingredient, run it through Cytosol, and as a combination to figure out how it affects toxicity. We'd love to do that. I've wanted to do that for a long time, but that'd be great. Great idea. If, if people want to email me at vashiva at vashiva.com, we'll do that as a public service. In fact, we can write to pharma guys and say, you know, instead of paying me hundreds of thousands of dollars, we'll do it for you as a public service. Just tell us what ingredients you have. Next, John. Well, why doesn't the fact sheet, why can we get the ingredients from the fact sheet? We can, but we need to know the dosaging, you see? So it's how much they have. Do you follow what I'm saying? So we need to, so if they say, let's say you have 20 ingredients, right? You need to know how much of ingredient A, B, and C they have because we need to understand the dosage levels. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. I look into that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we need to know how much. Because remember, it's all about dosage. For example, you know um, something called mercury or something called yeah. arsenic? Well, traditional systems of medicine know that if you use certain low dosages, they actually have a positive effect. But it's only when the dosage exceeds a certain level are they toxic, okay? But my theory is it's not any one dosage of one item, it's a combination, okay? Like, you know how people say, well, you just are exposed to a little bit of the pollution, right? But it's a combination of these. So we need to know at least the ranges. So if they have a, milli, a nanomolar or a milliliter of the vaccine substrate, right? Or the vaccine, how much is it mRNA? How much is it just saline or whatever they're using, right? How much is it all these other particles? We need to know what's called the concentration levels. Otherwise, they'll say, oh, you're just making something up, okay? If we can find the dosage okay. dosage levels of all the, it's like when you make a recipe, I'm using, you know, one teaspoon of, uh, you know, turmeric, I'm using two teaspoons of cumin. You know what I'm saying? 
if you you even when you make food, you have to be very careful how much you include of something, right? Everything is medicine. So we need to find out how much. That's been the challenge here. Okay. Thank, thank you, Alvia. Now, but, I have another question. Yep, yep, go ahead. I have another question. Um, so here in New York State, they're uh, planning to pass uh, indefinite detention laws. Uh, what do you suggest that we can do here? Yeah, so let's talk about what you're saying. So when you look at, so people always ask this question, right? I'm in a job. They're planning on firing me, right? What should I do? I'm, you know, my state is going to put in, I don't know, um, vaccine passports and so on, right? What I want you to think about, Alvia, based on the discussion I've been having, think about where we're at. Like right now, imagine, I, I keep using this example. You, you like watching movies? No, I actually don't watch movies. Okay. You like reading a book? I do. Okay. So imagine you have a 300-page book and you're reading page 289 to 290, Okay the end of the book. Okay. So people are reading the end of the book now and they're waking up. When we talk about everything that's happening with what you just said, my state may do this, I may get lose my job. Do you understand that the other 280 pages of that book have been going on for the last 50 years? And it's been step by step by step attack on working people. Okay. Attacking people's wages, censorship, attacking people's rights step by step by step by by using the republicans and the democrats by giving us trump and the kennedys you see what i'm saying so we're at we right. need to understand the awakening that i want people to have is we're actually in a prison right now we need to recognize that we've lost the first amendment we've lost our freedoms and the reason i want people to wake up to this is because then people will really wake the hell up we should think about it if, if uh, like the, like the movie The Great Escape. We need to understand we're in a minimum or uh, you know heading to a maximum security digital prison. And the issue is how do we escape this now? If we're coming at this end of this process now and saying, "Oh, I'm going to file this lawsuit and I'm going to do this," it's like you're not getting it. They want the rats to run around in the cage. You see what I'm saying? That's like the rat who just is running around trying to figure out what to do. We need to recognize that we've been misled, we've been taken advantage of, and we haven't rose to the occasion. It's time now we recognize that we are slaves and this is heading to complete slavery. And we cannot simply follow these billionaires and Kennedys and misleaders anymore. We have to build a movement. And that is a harsh reality. We have to raise our political consciousness. We have to understand how we got here, how we get out of it. And that path will lead you to you have to fight for you. You have to become a leader in your local community, okay? You have to learn how to build a movement. Yes, we can try to fight for a medical exemption right now or some of those things, but those are just Band-Aids. It's been Band-Aids upon Band-Aids upon Band-Aids for the last 70 years. And that's why we're in this condition. We need to build a movement a bottoms up movement and people need to understand what that means in a real material way. And the only way to do that is you have to get educated or you will continue to be enslaved. So even if you want to win your basic right, it has to be now a movement bottoms up. I've had many friends, health workers, you know, who have taken a, 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 a principal stand and they've lost their jobs. I've other people I know, 
a working mother who's got three kids, okay? She can't afford to take that risk. So she takes the jab and she risks her life. That shows she's become a slave. You follow what I'm saying? So we have to build a movement. And that is what I'm, that's why I do these videos. That's why I pound away, go get educated. Go ahead, John. Thank you, Elvia. caller from Denver, Colorado. John, could you put up Truth Freedom Health? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Denver. Are you talking to me? Hi, how are you? This Shiva. Yes, how are you? Holy cow, this is awesome. Um, so really, you're the new pimp. I mean, I talked about Gandhi. Yeah. Um, I'm an electrical engineer. I'm in real estate. Not a fan of jabs, things like that. What do you mean you're, uh, uh, you're, you're, you're an electrical engineer? Like you hear me? Yeah, you say you're an electrical engineer. What do you what do you build? Well, that's the thing. So uh, I've never been really great at uh, maybe staying within the lines and the cubicle thing is not my thing. I say. And I kind of tried to reach out to you before, and mm -hmm. it's kind of maybe different than some of your other callers. But I would like to kind of, I guess, work with you to help me, I guess, obtain my first patent on a, on a product and I make money, that sort of thing. And at the end of the day, you probably have, you have all these people, you know, that want to do the movement and the right thing. And you know what? At the end of the day, we're going to need money. I yep. would like money. I don't want to have to work for someone. And I have some, some stuff that I've, you know, but as a, I've never done a patent. I think uh, I'm a smart individual, but versus your background, your pedigree, I mean, I'm a white boy, you're a darkie, like, I'm, it's just... Uh, well, it's not about black or white. Let me, let me just stop you right there. Let me just stop you. The reason I use the word darkie, let me tell you why, okay? okay. I use that in, a, in, a, in, in the context of talking about in the Indian caste system, and we have a modern caste system today, Okay. I consider you a darkie. I, I consider people, when I say darkie, I mean dark matter. Not Illuminati? No, I mean the people who are the actual working people of this country. You know, you have you know how you have dark matter in physics? Most of the people, yeah. the Illuminati, as you call them, or the upper caste, are the ones on top. The rest of us, they want to make us dark matter, right? We don't exist, right? We're invisible. But mm -hmm. relative to a patent... Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know how much background you have on that. If you want to email me, I can give you some thoughts on it. Typically, you want to, if you have an invention, you want to file as soon as possible in the right way, what's called a provisional patent, okay? The provisional patent? Yes, yeah. but you want to make sure that's done correctly. You know, you can do it simply. And then you have one year. The good news is a provisional patent gives you... Uh, the ability to get the first, you know, you get the timing, right? So if a big company tries to do it. So if you file a provisional today, you have one year to file what's called a utility patent. Okay. So at least you preserve uh -huh. the date. Um, I, you know, learned, right. That I have learned how to do my own patents and I use a law firm, but you know, lawyers like a to template? make it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, I I have, you know, we do a lot of understanding nutraceutical and combination therapy, but there is an art to doing a patent. The good news is if you look online, there are people called patent agents. 
A-G-E-N-T-S. These were people who worked in the patent office. They're not lawyers, but some of them are good people to actually teach you. Now, you have to understand the patent office is a racket, okay? They do what's called a triple play. And I, I, I learned this called a triple header. You file a patent, they'll reject Does it. Does that mean like no matter what, the first time through, they're just going to do yeah, yeah. a patent on something? Or? It's, no, it's called reject, reject, and then they give it to you, okay? Because every time they reject your patent, every time you reapply back, you have to uh, file filing like fees, okay? Yeah. yeah. So they never, ever give anyone their patent right. They always say, well, this didn't have this. You didn't do this. You didn't do this, even though it could be the perfect patent. OK, then you have to file it again. Then you have to file more filing fees. So typically the patent okay. office trains the agents to reject, reject. And if it's a decent patent, then they accept it along the way. They make their filing fees. OK, so it's called the triple play or the triple header. Some people call it. OK, but what yeah, I think. Yeah. So what I suggest, like an insurance company and claims. Yeah. Yeah. So what I suggest you do is, um, uh, there are people called patent agents. Sometimes you'll find some uh, decent law firms. If you email me at vashiva at vashiva.com, I'll give you some of my contacts that I have to help you. That sounds amazing. Okay. Yeah, so my last name, so first name, Stephen, last name. Yeah. Bob, just email me. O-H-N. Yeah. Email me. Yeah. Okay. And, um, but go online you know, and look for patent agents. Past about talking about email and all that stuff. So, like, there's not a there's a few people that have patents, and it seems like the ones that have one patent have like ten or two hundred, and then like a lot of people never get their yeah their let, stuff let, built. And let me tell you what's happened with patent law. Hey, John, mm -hmm. we should you know what I'll, I'll do a whole video on this. What happened was the United oh, States yeah. patent infrastructure was created by the founders to really support young independent inventors from having protection. And it was that IP infrastructure that really gave a lot of power to the United States and the small business inventors. But what's happened over the last 10 years is companies like Google, companies like Facebook, they have wanted, so you know there were these people called patent trolls. Patent trolls came along and they did bullshit patents. And those bullshit patents they were like the not so obvious establishment, okay? They gave the right to the big guys to say, see, patents are bad. We need to get rid of patents and move to trade secrets. So the goal of the elites has been to eliminate all patents. And they have the big lawyers and the big guns. So like you said, they know how to get their patents through, okay? Because they just pummel away. And guys like us, we don't have millions of dollars. So what they've done is the elites are getting all the patents. The small guys are not getting the patents. And then the elites are basically monopolizing patents. But I'll do a whole video on that. But thanks for your call. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for yep. the chat, man. Yeah, great I question. It. Okay, it's 849. John, what do you think? Another couple. How many people do you have waiting? Oh, we have 11 in the queue. We have 11 in the queue. So we're going to. Uh, why don't we just take each person one at a time and I'll try to get everyone's questions. But the, after these 11. I'll try to do as many as I can, but then we have to call it a night. Okay, let's let. I'm, I'm going to close the queue. Yeah, close the queue. Sorry, everyone. We'll do this again. Go ahead. All right. So next caller from uh, it's a four four two four up um, area code number. Okay, who do we have? Hello. Oh, Dr. Shiva, hi. My name. Is this uh, is this me? 
Yeah, this is you. So can you oh, just sure. ask your question? Because we have 10 other callers. So I'm going to write down your question and I'm going to try to answer all of them together. Go ahead. Go ahead. What's your question? Hello? All right. I think we lost them. Next, John. Next from Longmeadow, Massachusetts. Oh, Longmeadow, Massachusetts. Great to have you. Who do we have? Hello? Hello, hello? Am I not in anymore, John? You're, you're in Okay. Yeah. Hello? You're not muted or anything, right? Nope. No. Let's go to the next person. All right. Maybe people are waiting for a while. Yep. Yeah, that... Yeah, okay, so this is uh, this next call is from Ireland. Go ahead. Who do Hello. we have from Ireland? Yeah, hi. My name is Vanjana. I'm calling from Ireland. Vanjana, go ahead. Vanjana, how are you? What's your question? Yeah, uh, my question is, welcome, uh, Ashwa, uh, my question is, like, you know, why entire world talks about the latest variant only? And suddenly we go, government or everyone forgot about the previous variant, like <laughs> or whatever it is. Right. Great. Okay, I'll talk about that. Uh, thank you. Vanakam, by the way, uh, one of the languages I speak is a language called Tamil. He's a, a fellow brother from India who speaks Tamil. Vanakam means hello. Thank you, um, Vanjana. So I'll get. So the yeah. question was, what about the previous? Why do they go from one variant to the next variant? Right. First variant, Delta variant, Omicron variant. I'll, I'll address that. Next question, John. Let's get all the questions and I'll go through all of them. All right. Next one is from Columbus, Ohio. Columbus, Ohio. Go ahead. Who do we have? Hi, this is Karen Nixon. Hi, Karen. What's your question? So everybody that's calling in, we understand there needs to be a bottoms up movement. But if you follow what people who have done that, I don't know if you're familiar with a guy in Canada who early on, um, his name's Chris Skye, and he had these rallies and did all kinds of stuff. People would follow him and come and march with him and everything about that anti-vaccine and the mask mandate and all that and he has been arrested and harassed um probably 22 times at least yep so people who do push back this is what happens to them so what are you supposed to do when that's what happens or like the the person who loses their job because they won't get the vaccine and you know you got to feed your kids so the lady gets the vaccine and dr shiva said you know, she's become a slave, but in the interim, what are you supposed to do to feed your kids? I mean, yeah, great question. When you, I'll, push I'll, back, I'll, you see what happens to people. Yep. So I would, the, the short answer is, and I'll do, I just want to get everyone's question in, uh, Karen, because I'm going to go through each one of these. I'm going to sort uh -huh. of group them if that's okay with you. But yeah, you're asking a very, very sure. practical and a very prudent question, right? The issue is we don't want to uh -huh. be infantiles, right? We don't want to be adolescent kindergartners and fighting, right? We want to win. And just like if you were to go build an airplane, remember like the story of Icarus? Imagine just saying, oh, yeah, I want to fly. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to put a bunch of feathers on and jump off a mountain. And I think I'm going to do it because I'm so passionate about it, right? You're going to fall and crash and burn, right? So there uh -huh. is a rational, methodical way to do it. And we have to be very strategic about it. So I'll talk about that. I'll come back to that. Thanks. Karen, great, great question. And I appreciate okay. that question because you're asking a very, very foundational Thank question. Thank you. Yeah, next, I mean, yep. I'll answer that. Next, John. Uh, next is a 452 area code. 
452. Go ahead. Please ask your question succinctly so I can go through them. And I'm, I'm grouping all the questions together. Next. Hi, who do we have? Okay. Uh, well, hi, what's hi, your name? I'm uh, Johnny from Denmark. It's actually a country coach, uh, 45. Um, oh, hi. Okay, how are um, you? It's not a question. It's more of an observation, and there's no real need to answer it. Uh, so okay. So save time on that. It's uh, related to your caller, Greg, who's also in Copenhagen and a good friend of mine. Yeah, and I he see. He called in um, yesterday, and he asked about uh, should he, um, you know, he, he talked about pursuing the the path of uh, telling people that COVID nineteen is not a real disease, which it isn't, uh, and your in your your um, response was succinctly um, that you know it's a scientific epidemiological uh, approach, and uh, the, the uh, they muddied the waters too much uh, as far as the evidence. The beautiful thing about it, though, is that what you can just use the establishment's own evidence to prove this point. For example. If they say, oh, no, it, it exists and there's, and there's a uh, defined genome, well, you say, how do you know that? Because the CDC, uh, in its Emerging Infectious Disease Journal, Volume 26, Issue 6, June uh, 2020, um, had an article, Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome Coronavirus um, 2, from Patient with Coronavirus Disease United States. Um, and basically, it was 34 virologists getting together and basically, in, in tucked away in a, in a section uh, titled something like um, full genome sequencing, uh, they admitted that they did not do an end-to-end -end sequencing, but instead did a, did a PCR test for 119 um, base pair sequence and 118 for a total of 37 uh, base pairs. Uh, and then out of that, they got together not in vivo, not in uh, vivo, not even in vitro, but in silico, and decided which one of the literally millions of possibilities for it, and came out with a genome of twenty nine thousand nine hundred and three base pairs. Yep. Um, and then, uh, if it's too technical for people, uh, you just tell them, look, as Greg was saying, uh, if there's no new, uh, no new uh, symptom, no new symptom combination, no new symptom severity, no new symptom severity combination, uh, no new uh, pathogen, which is not, uh, and no new uh, transmission characteristics. There's no new disease. Yeah. It's so, kind of like that joke that Stephen Wright used to tell. I just found out that someone broke into my house last night and uh, replaced every piece of furniture with an exact replica. Yeah. How would you know and how would you prove it? Uh, and and I've, I've had tremendous success doing this. I've convinced doctors, which is relatively easy. Uh, but now, uh, actually, a um, indicator that people are getting enlightened is the fact that people last year when I said this, at about the same time, people thought I was nuts. This year, they're actually listening. All right, that's great. Yeah, so let me address that. I have a point with that with the person who brought up the variant. Thank you. Thank you for your insight. All right, next. Next person. How many more people we have, John? Uh, five others. Okay, go ahead. So if, if you could just ask your question, please, very succinctly, because we have four more other people, because I want to answer all these questions. Go ahead. Rochelle Park, New Jersey. Rochelle Park, New Jersey. Hello? Okay, John, next. All right. Uh, well, I'm uh, 571 area code. Okay, we have 571 area code. Who do we have? Welcome. Good evening. Okay, next. Because some people may have waited for a long time. So those of you who waited, we apologize. Um, I want to get through. We have about, go ahead, John. Uh, 646 area code. 646, that sounds like New York. Who do we have? Hello? 
Hi, could you speak a little Hi, bit Robert. louder? What's your question? Can you hear me? Yes, what's your question? Okay, so my question is um, one about the, the vaccine. Um, the first question is um, for people who've taken it, is there a way to detox? Mm -hmm. Okay, great. I'll come back to that. Thank you. Next question. Huh? That's a great question. It's a great question. Can you detox from the vaccine? That's the question. Go ahead, John. Um, um, uh, this one's from Seattle, Washington. Go ahead. What do we have from Seattle? Go ahead. Yeah. Hi, Dr. Shiva. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. By the way, someone just put in, okay. someone just put in, hold on one second. Someone just put Chintanan Kamani said, if I share this video, I may be arrested in India, which is talking about is, is, is uh, Gandhi is a pimp. Okay, Chintanan. Thank you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, please ask your question. Yeah, go ahead. Are we back to Seattle? Yep, go ahead, Seattle. All right. Um, thank you, Shiva. You, Do you have a question? Revolution. Uh, yeah, I, okay. Let me get that. You, you promote revolution. And it, at this point in the history, at least of the United States, revolution is necessary. However, once the revolution takes place, what do you propose to replace it? Okay, great question. We in the United States have a we in the United States have a constitution, and the constitution was written by very wise people that stood up against the British Empire, and they all agreed that the British Empire was not a good king. But we do have a constitution. And that constitution is based upon the rights of the people. The people are the sovereigns in the United States, de jure. So okay, so what, what so, so I, yeah, just, I don't, I don't mean to cut you off. So a, re a revolution, but is your proposal for a revolution to replace the constitution, or is it to reinstall the constitution in its original form? Okay, yeah, yeah, great question. I'll answer that. Okay, next, John. I'm just going to get all these questions together, and I'm going to go through them. Great. It That relates to Karen Nixon's question, but go ahead. Thank you. This is me, I, I believe. Uh, am I here? Yeah, who do we have? It's the last one, John. So my name, my name is Real one? Mighty Joe, uh, and, and I have not so much a question as actually I wanted to offer you a prayer. Thank um, you. And, and it's going to be short and sweet and succinct and to the point. Uh, but I... Uh, I study uh, Ayurveda yoga. I uh, help um, my guru uh, studied under Sri Brahmananda Saraswati. Uh, I'm a disciple of a guy named uh, uh, Swami Shivananda, not the famous one, but uh, a guy who uh, worked at MIT. Uh, and you may have come across him. His name was Norbert Dancona or Norbert Dancon. Real nice guy. Worked out at Kapalu. Spent a lot of time out there. So all I wanted to do is just hail your work and what you're doing right now. And I wanted to offer a prior prayer in Sanskrit uh, to empower it and to, and to, and to bless it. So if I may. Sure, definitely. Right? So basically we have a caller yeah. who's going to off. By the way, when you say Saras, uh, uh, Guru Saraswati, you're talking about the one in Jharkhand, India, right? Who was a devotee of uh, no, uh, Swami Shivananda? Sri Brahmananda Saraswati. Mm. Uh, from Monroe, New York, 
Uh, okay. I'm not sure. I'm in Monroe, New York. Okay. So great. Uh, Go ahead. That's the people I help, bro. Well, thank you for your generosity. Uh, so, Why don't so you give your effort is a prayer for you, and 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 I'd be curious. I don't know how attached you are to this spiritually yourself. I know your name is Shiva, and but uh, as someone you know, you may not be into this or whatever. But take it as well. You said you spoke Tamil and stuff. I think you and I need to have a very very long conversation uh, because the reason I originally called in was your your comment on Gandhi. Uh, and I don't have time to do that because you have a show to do, but I just wanted to offer this prayer for everybody. Uh, and, um, and I'd love to connect with you. Uh, uh, okay. So why didn't you do your prayer? I have a podcast and I'd love to have you on my show. So, sure. so please so do your prayer. Everybody. Yeah. And anybody wants to join in, you can take your hands, you can clap from real hard together and you can rub them vigorously until there's some warmth between your palms, hold it up to heart height. And then just five of me. Okay, go ahead. Um, Sahana Bavatu, Sahana Bunaktu, Sahavir Yam Karva Havai, a just inavari tamastu, Mavit Shavai, Um Shanti, Shanti. Well, thank you, thank you very much. If you know, and, yep. uh, or I could speak to what that means if you don't know. No, no, it's good. I, I think I, I, but I appreciate it. I so, think that the vibration. So, 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 so maybe, maybe we'd be brilliant in our conversation. Thank you. May there be uh, no animosity between us. May our learning be brilliant. May it be uh, fruitful. And, and and may we live in peace and health and happiness. Thank so you. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you very much. Very sweet of you. Thank you. Okay. Let me answer uh, in closing. So we have a number of very interesting questions. Karen Nixon brought up, you know, people try to build these bottoms-up movements. They go out, put themselves on the line. You know, they get fired. They get thrown in jail. They get arrested. You have that, Okay. And this is also re related to the person from Seattle's question, I think because th these are about movements, is what is the end goal here? So I want to answer these two together, okay? By the way, anyone who signs up, we have 15 gifts we give people. Everyone gets access to system and revolution. And one of the things that's happened in the history of humankind over thousands of years in trying to get liberation is the following. So just if you want to just think about it this way, Think about it in the following way. If you think about, I want to keep using the example of there was a time in human development, the thought of human beings flying, right? That was thought as impossible, wasn't it, Frank? No, Just think about was. it. It was people thought it was absolutely impossible. What are you talking about, right? right. Uh, and people thought, imagine the concept of having a light bulb, right? Or flying, to the moon. flying to the moon. Or some people say we didn't get there, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, but anyway, I'm talking about or the concept of us having electricity, right? So if you think about all these incredible innovations, there were times when people sort of said, oh, yeah, I'm going to fly. And people literally threw themselves off with some flapping wings, right? You've seen that, right? And they died, okay? Because they didn't understand the laws of gravity. They didn't understand the laws of physics. Okay, at some point, someone said, oh, Mathematicians like Bernoulli figured out Bernoulli's principle. We understood the dynamics of a wing and how you get lift. 
And that gave the opportunity for us to actually create something called an airplane, okay? But with the right dimensions and the right structure, okay? Similarly, when you think about a motor, right? Frank, you're an electrician, right? If you think about a motor, I mean, that would not, or the concept of V equals IR, right? Voltage equals current times resistance, right? These were concepts that came out of Maxwell's equations or F equals MA, they came out of Newtonian mechanics. So the reason I want to bring you back to this is it is only when we understood the laws of nature and we encoded them in mathematics, then we use those principles to create an airplane, to create a bridge, to create a motor. Does that make sense? But until we understood those laws, these were thought as impossible things. Okay. All right. Now you take one of the most profound problems in physics, the concept of human beings liberating themselves from this caste system. Well, this is, we're told this is an impossible problem, right? The quote unquote philosophers say, well, human beings are just assholes, okay? They're just naturally bad people. Everyone's evil and, you know, it's just the way it is. You just have to accept you're gonna be a slave and some people will control you and power, profit and control is just, right? We've heard that, right? So therefore shut the fuck up and just move along and be happy with the crumbs that you get. Well, so if you take that scenario, no different than someone saying that you're never going to be able to fly. Well, what I'm here to tell you is that when you look at what Karen Nixon brought up or what this gentleman brought up out of the Constitution, the march of human history has been to figure out laws of how the universe operates. And when we unravel them, it's like we bring fire to the world. We're able to do things we never thought possible before. Well, the concept of human beings building movements, organizing and achieving truth and freedom and health is itself requires an innovation. It's no different than learning how to fly. Okay, it was only in the 1900s did the concept of system science really come into being or general systems theory. Up until that point, when people try to organize movements, they did it on sort of a good intuitive feeling, right? People said, oh yeah, I gotta go and organize people bottoms up, okay? Um, when the founders to the person in Seattle, when they created the constitution, it didn't come out in a vacuum, it came out of the enlightenment. It, it was when people were discovering the laws of physics and chemistry, et cetera. The fathers of the, the founding fathers were scientists and their surveyors, et cetera. Today's politicians are a bunch of freaking idiots. Most of them are lawyers or politicians. They know nothing, nada, nothing. They don't create anything. They can't build anything. They don't make anything. And yet you keep electing them as politicians and think they're gonna lead you somewhere. They can't because they've never built anything. So the reality is when I wrote System and Revolution, it was to, in a very two hour reading, consolidate the science of systems. There is a science. That goes beyond what the founders did. It goes beyond other revolutionary movements. It gives us a physics to understand that modern general systems theory, system science, which I've made easy. You don't have to go to MIT, by the way. I made it easy for anyone to understand. And if you understand this, you'll understand that the concept of a bottoms up movement is not just one individual doing it. One person thinking they're gonna be a martyr, going and protesting by themselves is, is adolescent politics, okay? Nice person, a lot of passion. It's not gonna get you anywhere. 
thinking that we're going to just rely on the Constitution, on what was written in 1700s, and we're just going to use that in 2021, even though the fundamental principles are good, we have to recognize that modern systems theory teaches us it's when you have enough individuals raising up in political consciousness, that's what creates what's called a self-organizing system. The concept of a self-organizing system was a discovery that came out in the 1950s, okay? And if you join the Monday class, we go over this. But the goal is about you fighting for you by first understanding the principles of how the dynamics of how the universe operates. No different than the dynamics of electricity or energy or emotion, et cetera. And those are the concepts that we've organized together. And once you understand those concepts, what will then happen is you will be able to understand that one individual cannot do anything. And that's why when um, Karen said, if you think you're just going to go out there and I'm going to take a blowhorn and I'm just going to do things on my own without understanding these principles, you're setting yourselves up for failure. But if you understand these principles and you understand you have to educate and teach your neighbors in a way that you're going beyond left and right, that you're building up a bottoms up movement, there is a methodology, then we can win. But without understanding that physics and that science, you're bound to fail. You may fail as a martyr, but we don't want martyrs, do we? We want to win. And to win, we need to build a movement with the right physics. Frank, you can't just go wire up stuff, can you? You need to wire up stuff the right way. You need to shut off the electricity, right? You need to make sure you're grounded, right? There's certain processes you have to follow. Otherwise, you're going to fry yourself, okay? You can't just go write computer code. You, you, there's protocols for everything. Yeah, you can write some computer code and maybe it'll work. But then when you try to add more code and you try to have more users, it's going to get very slow. Okay. We want to build a movement that's scalable and that wins. And that can only happen if you understand the right science. Okay. So that I hope answers Karen's question. And to the person from Seattle, the end and the means in our movement are one. We're not trying to say, oh, we're going to build this movement and then we get here. No, the end and the means are one. The means do not justify, the end does not justify the means. That's why how most movements have failed because they use an illicit means or a corrupt means and they get an end, which is also corrupt. The ends and the means in our movement for truth, freedom and health are one and the same, which is we are here to teach people about the science of systems, about the intersection of truth, truth, and health. And we're about teaching people how to be their own leaders in their own communities. Now, if everyone does that, we create that wave. And that is the movement. So every microsecond we do that, we're winning. It's not like we do this and then we come to the holy land and we reach utopia. That's all nonsense, okay? Let me go over now to the vaccine questions on um, the issue with the variant and the issue with what was brought up from the person in Denmark. Look, you're talking to someone who's considered one of the leaders on the immune system. I published in the major journals, but I do not depend on the NIH for funding. I have all the credentials, but what I can tell you is that the immune system is a very complex system, number one. Number two, we do understand even in the midst of all that complexity, there are some very important things that are absolutely true. Okay, is that 
we have about 308, 390 trillion viruses in our own body. We have 60 trillion bacteria. We have 6 trillion cells. These are just facts. There's no controversy on any of this. We have just begun to understand, only begun in the last 5, 10 years, how the bacteria in our own body works. We don't even know them. We've just mapped out the 700 bacteria in our mouth. We don't even understand how the virome, they call it the virome, the viruses in our own body exist and how we interact with them. But the bottom line is we're not only human cells. You are your human cells, you're a bunch of bacteria, and you're also a bunch of viruses. But what we do know is that your bodies was designed, all systems in nature are designed, and you want to write this word down called resilience. R-E-S-I-L-I-E-N-C-E. -E -E. Every system that survives, survives because of its ability to take a hit and bounce back. Okay? If you build a skyscraper and a wind comes and it doesn't have any flexibility, what happens to that skyscraper? It breaks. Okay? Or a tree. So things in nature that sustain themselves have the ability to take a hit and they can come back. Okay? So that's a very important principle of natural systems or systems that survive. For those of you who believe in natural design or those of you who believe in evolution, the human being, this organism, was designed to take a hit. In fact, it's supposed to take a hit. The more hits you take, it actually gets stronger. You don't want to take too many hits because you never get a chance to recover. It's like going into the workout room and lifting weights all day. That's not going to help you. You have to take, you have to do a little bit of weights or a little bit of exercise and you have to relax and then your body grows and it gets, it gets sore and it gets weak. It's called stress inoculation. We're supposed to be open to pathogens. We're supposed to be exposed to dirt. And the more you do that and, and the big and here is based on how you grew up and what you're feeding your body, your body develops resilience. Well, one of the most powerful ways to develop resilience is something that the entire earth relies on. Every organism is called the sun. And the sun gives us vitamin D3, which creates these things called proteins, which actually annihilate pathogens. This is a fact. And none of this is ever brought up in this freaking discourse. Vaccines, 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 variants, da, 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 da. Fauci takes vitamin D3, but no one talks about it. Number two, we're brought up in a world of green material all around us, green vegetables, purple vegetables, and green vegetables have something called magnesium in the center. Our hemoglobin has iron. When we consume the dark leafy green vegetables, our body creates vitamin A, which protects our cell structure. Number two, this is just a known fact. Number three, our body needs minerals, trace minerals. It needs a very important mineral called zinc, and the zinc needs to get into your cells, which stops viral replication. I can go on. So we don't talk about this. What we do talk about is this variant, that variant, this variant. Variants are going to come all day long. In fact, when you get the mRNA vaccine, the vaccine itself has the ability to create variants. Okay? Because a variant is a variation of the RNA structure of the mRNA vaccine. If it's anywhere between 80 to 90% around the same, 
Anything beyond that is called a strain, but a variant is sort of in this fuzzy space, which is a variant. So if you're getting, we're, our body's creating all sorts of variants every day. But if you're getting an exogenous mRNA vaccine, your body's gonna create a variant, okay? That's why they're gonna talk variant, 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 because every new variant means a new jab every six months. It's a wonderful recurring revenue model. And that leads you to follow the money. This is why Pfizer made $40 billion just in one year when they lost $25 billion over the last 10 years. They made $25 billion just in the last quarter of all the revenue they lost in 20 and 10 years they made in one quarter because they want to run a recurring revenue model. No different than the cell phone companies. The cell phone companies charge you whatever hundred bucks a month. Okay. They want to get you on, they want to get all of humanity on a recurring revenue model. That's why they're going to come up with just like the virus manufacturers, right? For your computer viruses, you got to keep buying the virus checkers. Okay. So in closing, you know, we talked about, John, bring up the thing. Today's talk. Oh, the caller that asked about detoxing from the vax. Yes. And the fourth caller talks about how do you detox from the vax? Okay. Let me just talk to you more importantly about when you say detoxing. One of the most important organs in your body that supports detoxification is called the liver. Okay. It's on the right side of your body right here. And the liver is what pharmaceutical companies are concerned about when they give you a drug. One of the things they measure for toxicity is, so if you get a drug, let's say you get, you, you're, you, you have, you know, we have, by the way, I want John to play. This is uh, very important. One of the, uh, many of you know that I created a technology called Cytosolve. And it was only recently, I never thought we, we would, we've helped a lot of companies understand the interaction between molecules and substances and natural products. But when you're building a product for consumption, the two things you're concerned about are, does this, how much of this should I take? So it actually works. But the other is how much of it will cause toxicity. So when you consume something, you want to make sure you're not, your liver can clear it. It's called a clearance rate. You can Google this. So when pharmaceutical companies give a drug, they want to make sure over some period of time, the drug gets out of your system. Okay. Your liver clears it. Okay. So if you want to clear something out of your body, one of the things you want to look at is strengthening your liver. Okay. There are many detoxing protocols out there and you can go study them. But one of the natural ways is supporting your liver. Okay. And the liver is a very powerful organ. Well, you can look at certain herbs which support the liver. Milk thistle, go study about it, okay? It's called silymarin. Another wonderful herb, a food that you can eat, at least maybe you should eat it a couple of times a week, is dandelions. In general, your, your stomach in your body has 25 receptors for bitter foods. Go read all the traditional cultures, the Bible. They will always say eat bitter, okay? Bitter foods support detoxification in many, many ways. Your body only has one receptor for sweets, by the way, but we eat a lot of sugars, okay? Which promotes all sorts of fungal growth, which actually doesn't support detoxification. So start with the basics. Now, another thing is you can do very, very complex cleanses. You know, I can teach you how to do a very ancient Indian cleanse. We can talk about, you know, doing uh, uh, psyllium and all these herbs. But you want to make sure if your body is weak, 
You want to make sure if you do detoxing, you, you don't want to further weaken your body. You want to focus on the areas that you can strengthen. And one of the areas is your liver. So go do research on the things that support liver support. Because if your liver functions well, it's going to detox for you. And there's certain herbs you can take which support that. That's what I want to talk about broadly about detoxing. Okay. There are chelated technologies. A lot of people out there who said you can do chelation therapy, all sorts of things. Okay. But fundamentally focus on your liver. The liver is a broad cleanser of your body. You strengthen the liver. And by the way, if your liver is clogged, the body is very fascinating. If one subsystem gets clogged, your body goes to the secondary subsystem, which is your skin. So if you have all sorts of skin issues, nine out of 10 times, you want to look to your liver. Okay. You cleanse your liver. You support your skin. Okay. Skin and liver eyes are closely connected. So in traditional systems of medicine, if you have a liver issue, right? Hepatitis, people have yellow eyes, right? Liver, eyes, skin. These systems are all interconnected. All right, everyone. I hope this was valuable. I know we uh, we did another long show. I want to thank Frank. I want to thank John. I want to thank all the people who called in. And I hope you guys are enjoying this. But for me, the greatest enjoyment is that all of you become your own warriors. And my job is here to be a catalyst and all of you to become catalysts. But you got to get educated. So the reason I push Truth, Freedom and Health is not here to make a ton of money or to sell you something, but it's to let you know that we have the technology and the framework so you can become leaders in your communities and build a movement. So take advantage of it. Do it for yourself, but know that we have, we're building a community of leaders. All of you should become the light in your own communities. It's not any one person. We have to create a movement, but it has to come from the right understanding. We have to know the rats. Okay. We have to know, put up the Gandhi thing again, that if you're going to follow people, if you're going to listen to history and you think that this guy who's promoted every day in and day out that he was our leader, Gandhi, like his, his methodologies were great. Thanks, John. Um, you're out of your mind. And my goal today in this not so obvious establishment series was for all of you to go back and look at this video, understand that you have to fight for you. And yes, it's a different thing. Just like you have to get up and move your own muscles, right? You have to get up and take care of your own health. No one else is going to do it for you. And it's a liberating feeling, but it takes a significant amount of mental shifting. Don't look to Gandhi. Don't look to Trump. Don't look to all these people. Look to yourself and look to your side beyond left and right. Look to working people. And that's how we're going to win. And it's not going to happen overnight, but it can happen explosively fast, very fast, if we raise our consciousness. And you can use this understanding of system science, not only for politics, you can use it for your body. You can use it in many, many different ways. It's the same fundamental understanding. Okay. So go to truthfreedomhealth.com. And I, I hope this was valuable. Who should we do next time in the not so obvious establishment series? I don't know. Churchill. Um, uh, maybe we'll do Churchill. Maybe we'll do Martin Luther King. Yeah, yeah. Huh? Maybe we'll, 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 we'll continue, but thank you everyone. 
Have a good evening. Be well. Be the light. Thank you.